Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Academy and Club Guarani and Copa Libertadores, and then also we're going to talk about the stadium and some club news. We're also going to have an interview with Mateo Clark and Rigo Rodriguez from La Morga de Austin to talk a little bit about the uh, kind of the musical atmosphere they're going to be creating for Austin FC starting in 2021. My name is Landon Cottom, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey there, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Landon, let's get into a very important and topical question to kick the show off. Uh, we found this on... We found this on, what was it, No Stupid Questions in Slack, which was a link to a different No Stupid Questions message board. So this non-stupid question And we're going to credit this, Josh Jackson brought this to our attention, which is very on brand for Josh Jackson, if you know him. Right. Yeah, who, who, else, who else would do that? <laughs> so the question is, can a soccer player shave a hole in his super large afro and carry the ball in it? I think this is worth reading the whole the whole question. So go ahead and read that too, Jeremiah. I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> I'll read it then. Uh, yeah. So the it goes on with a whole paragraph in this Reddit question. Oh, that's right. There's a there's a setup to that. I'm sorry. It's, it's a very important. It's important you context. Need, yeah. You need the details. You need the details. So it goes on to say. So let's say a professional soccer player had a really large afro and he shaved a ball sized hole right in the middle all the way to his scalp, leaving a ring of thick hair all the way around. Could this player have his keeper pick up the ball and put it into the hole and then simply run across the field into the opponent's goal and score? Are there any actual official rules against this sort of thing? Uh, so this question made me very happy, Jeremiah. I don't know what what you thought about it, but I thought this is the kind of uh, of silliness and absurdity that I live my life for. I loved it, and I love that I didn't have like a real obvious answer off the top of my head. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I had to look it up for sure. <laughs> I feel like that isn't comp- contemplated. I don't know. Um, when we're, we're working through fifth grade math at home. I'm not sure like what kind of load an Afro can bear and whether <laughs> the weight of a soccer ball would actually stay within it. But wait, did you actually go online? Oh, yeah. Did, did you do dude, real research? Okay. I did some more digging did, within Reddit. Okay, good. And, um, and Reddit gave me the the answer. So... Before we jump into that, I just want to also say this question made me very happy and bringing this question onto the show made me very happy because I am uh, obsessed with this podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me. And um, if any any of you know it, then you'll realize how this is connected. But it's three brothers who mostly just kind of like goof around and make jokes with each other. And it's really funny. But the kind of the premise of the show is they they give advice, quote unquote advice to people on the internet, but they get most of the questions from the Yahoo Answers service. And so the people who are asking these dumb questions aren't hearing the answers. It's just kind of a jumping off point for them to talk about funny things. But this is a very my brother, my brother and me type question if it were a show about soccer. And so that also made me very happy to be able to bring something like this onto the show. But uh, the actual rule there's there's a, a referee subreddit actually where I found the real answer, but they said that um, most refs would likely blow the whistle almost immediately for dangerous play, actually, which was okay. Um, curious to me. But essentially, if a player, like the the initial act itself, wouldn't necessarily be illegal, but if a player tried to challenge for the ball, like in doing so you would have to be swinging some appendage at the person's head 
and so would then be dangerous play. And so or they, I, I saw some other people also saying like something about like unsporting conduct or something like that. So, but it, it seemed to be like a consensus amongst this subreddit of referees saying like, yeah, this no referee would let this happen. So, so the same situation hold true is like if you had incredible balance and you were just able to like balance the ball on top of your head and run even without it like in your hair, I think it would be the same. I mean, there are pe- people have tried that. Like there are like Brazilian players who tried that like in the 80s or whatever. And you can imagine like what soccer was with what soccer was like in the 80s. What happened to those players? Like he just got the crap kicked out of him essentially when he tried to do it. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I mean, that would probably be the most likely scenario, right? Is you would just, like, somebody would saw your leg off with a with a kick. But, um, yeah, apparently, according to this referee subreddit, that almost all referees would immediately blow the whistle and call for some type of infringement. But I think it's unfair. I would like to see this happen. <laughs> and and would, would VAR be involved in any way? Would it matter, depending <laughs> upon the league? Get one of those great 360-degree angles on that play. Yeah. Um, All right, let's jump into some Austin FC news. So the Austin FC Academy played this past weekend against Houston Dynamo. Uh, The U15 team ended their winning streak, so they ended up drawing nil-nil. U14s also drew nil-nil. The U13 team lost one-to-two. Austin FC tweeted... um, this graphic with the scores on it with the the captions that says learn develop grow as a team which i think is cool that's that's kind of a cool message to to accompany that that kind of thing uh but the we've mentioned this on on several of the most recent shows the the real test for this this group i think especially the u15 team is going to be playing against fc dallas that is happening this coming weekend so october october 31st here in Austin at noon, they're going to be playing against FC Dallas. So uh, that's going to be a good result to look out for. And to, um, if if they can beat them and then continue to to beat the teams they've been beating, then I think that's really going to prove that this this Austin FC Academy team is for real. Yeah, it'll be a real it'll be a big challenge. I know you uh, a couple shows ago talked about where FC Dallas uh, is ranking wise among U15s, and they're they're really highly ranked. Um, nationally and then of course there's we have two teams this is great for for a city with no mls teams we have two teams to follow so other than the academy we have Guarani, who uh they played again uh was the final match of copa libertadores uh group play which we knew probably wouldn't matter a whole lot um and it turned out to not not to matter at all they, they, they came in in second place and left in second place also but they made the round of 16 uh, can you talk a little bit about how Rodney and Cecilio performed in that match? Yeah, so they both started on the bench. It, I looked up the I didn't get to watch the game live, but I watched some highlights and looked up the um the rosters and everything. They played a lot of youth players. Like it was I, I've watched several games now. I'm starting to like recognize player names and and know what positions certain guys play. And I looked over this starting lineup and was like, I don't know who any of these guys are. Not, not many of them anyway. And it turns out it was, it was quite a few youth players, uh, because it, like, like Jeremiah mentioned, it's, um, it, it, the game didn't matter. They're almost guaranteed to be in second place, uh, in, in the group. And so, uh, Dominguez ended up coming on as a sub in the 66th minute. He had a really early chance where there was 
kind of a breakaway ball and he he had a guy one-on-one and cut into the goal and was kind of squaring up for a far post curler and in the replay you can see two guys kind of running back post that I think if he had seen them it, it like you could maybe interpret it as being a selfish play and he's going to go for the shot but the way he reacted I think he was disappointed that he didn't catch them in time because he could have squared a ball to the back post for an easy tap in and instead went for the shot so that was that was kind of an early mistake but then Shortly after that, ended up uh, drawing a foul, which led to a red card for one of Bolivar's players. And so they ended up playing a man up the rest of the game. Uh, they played, they scored two goals during uh, during stoppage time, and um, one of which Rodney Redis assisted. I think he came in like the 90th minute or something like that. So he didn't get to see a lot of action, but uh, got a got an assist on one of those goals. Um, so they're going to advance to play. Oh, one other weird thing before we, we mentioned the next game is, um, Cecilio came in for their striker, Fernando Fernandez, and was playing as like a, in like a two striker system up top, which was interesting to see because his, his natural position is on that left wing, but we've seen him move around quite a bit or like move into more of like an attacking midfielder type of thing. But he he was like playing number nine, essentially. And it was like, it looked like a 4-4-2. And it was him and uh, Mana who normally plays in Rodney's position on that right wing. And so it was the two of them playing up top, which was interesting to see that he, he can play in that striker position too. I don't know that that's his best position, but he can do it in a pinch apparently. I had a roster question too. Did your man was super? What's his last Super's name? Super's gone. Um, Super's gone. Yeah, su- I've been meaning to ask about Super. Super for weeks. Ramirez. So this is something I've been wanting to talk about on the show as well. Is the amazing nicknames that are on this team? So you've got Super Ramirez, who is apparently I didn't know this, but he was on loan to like from another Paraguayan team, and he's gone back to them. After they finished the Apertura part of the season, he went back to his the the team that actually owns him. So he's gone. But other nicknames on this team are uh, Merlini, which they call El Mago, the magician, which is really great. And then Fernando Fernandez is the striker, like a big beefy striker. They call him El Queso, the cheese, which <laughs> I don't really know why. <laughs> I need to reach out to uh, Roberto Rojas and see if he knows why they call him El Queso, but that's a great nickname. And then also they have like, it's either four or five players that are named Benitez. Like their last name is Benitez. I don't know why they have so many players named Benitez, but that's another interesting thing. But And then they, they did have Super Ramirez, but he's sadly, sadly gone back to his, his home club. Um. But yeah, so Club Guarani will be playing against Grimio in the uh, the first round of knockout play in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, that's going to be the first match is November 24th, and then the return leg will be the following week. And um, Jeremiah, I see you put in the notes that Grimio is sitting 11th in the Brazilian league. So it's a team they could they could realistically compete with. So uh, I'm I'm excited to watch that, and I think maybe. Um, Cecilio is probably in good enough form, like in fitness wise that he, we might get to see Rodney and Cecilio start together in a game like that. So that'll be exciting to watch for too. That Yeah, that'll be exciting. That's so the first, uh, the first match will be, that's the, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Be an interesting Wednesday night at home with the family, I believe <laughs> is, is when that'll be 
watching some illegal stream of South American soccer <laughs> with your family in the room. All right, let's move on to some uh, some MLS news. So we talked a little bit about the Supporter Shield not being awarded this year, but there's been some changes. You want to give us that update, Jeremiah? Yeah, for sure. Uh, not surprisingly, I think on the last show we talked about how new information had come to light. <laughs> you know, that new information being people were really mad on Twitter about it. Um, and so they announced uh, a few days ago that they that they would they'd take that decision back that the uh, Supporter Shield Foundation would award it to the team with the highest record. Um, I think one thing that was interesting is I think the guys, the president of the board, is a huge New York Red Bulls fan, and apparently maybe he didn't agree with the change, and so he tweeted out pre-court was right um, immediately after they announced the decision, and that made a lot of our friends in Columbus really upset yeah. for some reason. As a jab at Columbus, right? Like he was essentially yeah. saying like this this city doesn't deserve a team, which. Uh, even even I will say is that's a low blow, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> it is. No matter what you think, it is, and it's petty. Um, and like someone in that position shouldn't be doing or saying things like that. And so it's um, yeah. I I think that group needs to clean some things up. Maybe like yeah. I think the, I think there's going to be a reexamination of that for sure. And the other the other thing I read about um is the fact that the supporter's shield you cannot drink beer out of. Um, <laughs> but you can eat out of because it's a plate, so maybe the new tradition could be some kind of like local cuisine that the the winning team could could introduce. At so maybe first, that's, I, that's a new I thought angle. you were saying like there was a rule saying you can't drink beer no, out of it. But no, it, it's yeah, shield. it makes sense. It's, it's like you physically you can't drink out of it. But I, I like that. Like the like kind of the a traditional dish from from that team's region. And so like um I don't know. Austin would be like half of it would be tacos and half of it would be brisket or something like that. If not, if win, 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 we win that shield. Um, but yeah, that that would be a fun tradition. I, I say we we petition the the ISC to start that tradition. <laughs> so we start. It could be Valentina's. So you kind of have the best of both. Oh yeah, brisket tacos, of course. Yeah. All right. In other exciting Austin FC news, the the stadium at McCalla Place has gotten some some nice green updates over the last week, one of which being seats up in the stands. There, there are actual seats installed in two of the sections on the, the upper level of the east side. Uh, more importantly, our man Weston has been installing grass in the stadium. So the grass is entirely installed in the stadium. And Jeremiah, you and I accidentally kind of got a firsthand look at that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we did. We did. We were... Uh... We, when we were drinking beer the other night, um, <laughs> it was last with with last Wednesday night. Yeah, we was that. Yeah, last Wednesday night. Yeah, and there was a dr- we kept hearing a sound that was the drone over the head, which I guess they were shooting the footage that they ended up putting on Twitter the next day about the stadium. Yeah, and then I saw a, a tweet come through from Austin FC, and they they tweeted a picture of grass being laid down, and so yeah, Jer- Jeremiah and I and a couple of other guys were sitting outside of the stadium just having some beers because that's a thing we do sometimes now. <laughs> in a in a barless and eventless world we just go have socially distanced beers sitting outside of a construction site essentially and uh, yeah we noticed a drone above head and then saw the tweet come through and then kind of looked over over the fence and you could see the the refrigerated trucks that were loading the grass in so we're like oh we did did not plan this by any means but we got to be here whenever the grass was being installed in the stadium which was kind of kind of exciting 
Yeah, that yeah, that was cool. I loved Andy's quote about it, which Chris Bills uh put in the so- his soccer notebook because I I believe this. It's over the top, which I'm a hundred percent here for. <laughs> so he says the site has evolved from a blank twenty four acre canvas into a soccer cathedral that now has a living organism taking root in the stadium soil. It's pretty cool. I mean, just that's the that's pretty much exactly how I would say it too. Yeah, and I you said you said it's over the top, but it's um it's. Yeah, it's not entirely hyperbolic. So the other day on on Saturday, uh, myself and Mateo, who you're going to hear in an interview here in a bit, and then uh, Chris, uh, I don't know Chris's last name, Chris H on Twitter. (laughs) That's Uh, all I know too. Yeah. So Chris H and Mateo and I, we rode our bikes from the Treaty Oak downtown and rode it up to Hop Squad and watched some soccer at Hop Squad and stopped by the stadium on the way. And there's... There's several views that you can uh, you can see the stadium and get kind of close to it um, just along the fencing that they have installed there. And one of the views kind of on the uh, the southwest side, you can see into the stadium pretty well. And and you can actually see the seats that, that are being installed on that upper east side, which is really cool. And so like before you, you can't see grass from from the outside on foot anyway. Um, but you can see those seats in there and talking about it being like a living thing. It, it looks more alive now that there's some, some color in there. Cause right now you see concrete and so concrete and steel is pretty much all you can see. But now that those seats are being put in, you have that splash of green. It's going to start looking like a, like more of a living, breathing thing here pretty soon, which, um, is, is not something we've seen. If, if you look on Google maps, it, it still looks like a, toxic waste dump essentially and so to to go there and see this this thing that is starting to look very much like a soccer stadium that you could play a game in pretty soon is is pretty exciting yeah it it really is and i didn't know if i would really like the uh the varied green you know the four or five shades of green in the seats but it well two things one it reminds me of a creeper from um minecraft which my kids play (laughs) those are a little bit like that but yeah i've been actually i do I, I do like that look, and I think it's better than having everything all the same color. Yeah, I, I think like the real reason places do that is so it makes it harder to tell when people aren't in those seats, right? That's probably true, but let's say it's like aesthetic design purposes. <laughs> I think just it, to make us happy, it does look cool though. Like I, I think it does look cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna look super cool whenever the whole stadium is filled with those. Let's let's go from the pitch to the patch and talk about net spend. All right. So yeah, Austin FC has announced their official jersey sleeve sponsor is going to be a company called NetSpend. They're a, a prepaid debit card business founded by Roy and Bertrand Sosa. So um, this is kind of a new thing that's been brought into MLS this year. I think there's only five teams that have them now. I think that's mostly due to uh, when it was announced. I think it was announced during the MLS's back tournament. And so there's a few teams who were able to kind of um, f- find a sponsor essentially to do that immediately. But uh, Chris Bills in his his most recent article in the Statesman about about this partnership, uh, the, the rumored value of this sponsorship is between $500,000 and a million dollars per year. So it's a pretty good chunk of change for Austin FC. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure for something like that too. And then Nets been um, 
they are Austin based, I believe. So I mean, they do services everywhere, but it's good to have them as a local company. And actually, I actually know the guy that's the president, Kelly Newton, and I knew he was a soccer guy, and I was really excited. And then in Bill's articles, I realized that he's a Manchester United guy, and I got much less excited um, than I, than I have <laughs> been about that. But apparently, he he lived in England for a long time, and maybe he lived in Manchester, or whatever, and became a fan. But um, I think it's it's interesting that they're doing that. It's good that they got another local sponsor. And then and there's a lot in there about how it's sort of tied into the, um, they're really committed to the cashless in-stadium experience, them being the club. And so NetSpend is in some way going to be involved in that, although I'm not exactly sure from reading business guy quotes what that will look like. Do you have a better idea of that? No, I was reading that too, and I didn't quite understand what it meant. One, one thing that comes to mind is, so I went to a game in uh, in Munich, and it was at Bayern Munich's stadium at Allianz, but it was for the um, München eighteen sixty, so like the second division team in in Munich, who at the time was playing in that same stadium. And the only way you could buy beer at that stadium was by essentially like buying this like credit card, and you would like charge up this credit card and keep that card with you. So that's one thing I could see. I, I would imagine that's like maybe more clunky of a system than they would want to be the standard, but maybe it would just be like one of the options that you could have if, if like cash wasn't, if cash isn't going to be an option, then maybe that would just be one of the options available is that you can get like this preloaded card that you could load up and use at the games or something. But I honestly don't know. Yeah. I, I, exp- I know that they'll have that at the very least. Cause that was one of the things that they talked about on the stadium tour, but hopefully there's like an Apple wallet or a, uh you know, a virtual, like some kind of virtual, like where you can just do it with your phone and not have to have a plastic card um, separately just for buying stuff at the stadium. Right. As much as they talk about like frictionless, the frictionless experience is something that you hear a lot with the stadium. I would imagine that will be an option. So this is one of the, um, one of the mini sponsors that we think is going to be named here in the next, in the near future, probably. Uh, we've, we've been told from, from people in the know that, um, the, the stadium sponsor is, is pretty close to being done. And so we've also been told by people in the know that once that stadium sponsor is done, that it's going to be kind of a domino effect. And we're going to start seeing these partnerships announced pretty quickly just because there's kind of a hierarchy of those things that happen. So, um, yeah, we're, we're hoping and kind of expecting to see that stadium sponsorship named, but we may see some of these other ones first that, that means that that stadium deal is done. But in any case, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of these, uh, these sponsorship deals being announced in the next several months. All right. I think this is a good time to jump into our interview with Mateo Clark and Rigo Rodriguez. So, they're going to be coming in to talk about La Murga de Austin, which is the the band that's going to be playing in the stands. And so we thought it was an important an important thing to highlight and kind of raise awareness for, just because these are going to be people making making noise in the stadium and kind of leading this this cultural movement in the stadium. And so we're going to have Mateo and Rigo tell us a little bit about about this band and how you can you can join it if you want to. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with that interview.
Our guests today are Mateo Clark and Rigo Rodriguez Lira, who are both part of the leadership for La Murga de Austin. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Thanks for having us this Sunday night. <laughs> uh, all right. So first of all, just tell our listeners what is La Murga de Austin. And yeah, let's just start with that. What is what is La Murga? Yeah, I can I can start Rigo and then maybe you can give some some more historical cultural context, but um, for, for the people of Austin, um, we are the, basically the house band, the unofficial um, community, all volunteer band that will be in the middle of the supporters section, helping to lead the songs and chants. Um, you know, we'll have the drums and the brass um, and, and lots of it, and uh, it's gonna be very, very loud. And so, yeah, our, our goal is, as a band is to have an impact on, on the, on the game, on the fields, you know, making sure that um, the players know that, that there's support, um, that there's, there's eyes and scrutiny, but also a lot of positivity, um, making them feel welcome and making them feel like their actions matter. And that, that we, you know, and, and the explosion and the kind of the noise that we make whenever there's a goal scored um, will be at the center of all of that. So our, our catchphrase is El Latido de Austin or the heartbeat um, of Austin FC. Yeah, Rigo, if, I think you've kind of been um, one of the kind of spiritual and kind of cultural guides of the direction of this group. So do you want to give give us some context about what Murga is and like where that culture comes from? Yeah, so as Mateo said, uh, the heartbeat of, of Austin is something re- really cool, but not, not just Austin FC because Murga in... Uh, in South America, and it goes from South America to Central America to Mexico, and there's some teams in MLS that uh, that have tried it, um, but it it just it starts off as the the music and the bands uh, that are like volunteer bands from barrios, like the the neighborhood bands, and just gathered people and people create this music for for their barrios, and then they they do this type of Mardi Gras. Uh, week where people go and bands from all over cities come in and 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 as time went by like they started it's it's the music of the people so it just shifted into their passion which is soccer and that's how it makes it into so many stadiums from Argentina to Colombia to Mexico to everywhere and it I, I think that's what what we wanted to be for Austin too you know um, starting off in in football and creating that culture but uh, just the, the long time we've been with the band, I don't know, it's been about a year and a half already. We've had so many people asking us to perform in, in different events for the community, which is the direction we want to take and just creating these really cool uh, events and be the, a band for the city, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Y'all, y'all brought up a good point. So it's not like you you just show up on day one in 2021 and play, but... So you've been playing for 18 months. Can y'all talk a little more about sort of the preparation that's gone into that and and what you're doing like on an ongoing basis now? Yeah. So, I I mean, it it all kind of started, you know, I think a lot of people had different ideas and expectations about what songs and chants for Austin FC would be like once the team, the stadium deal got locked in. You know, I remember going to um, the Round Rock Express or Del Diamond or whatever had a Tigres and I think Pachuca game. And having conversations with with some of those, you know, the people that had gone out that were, you know, Austin FC fans and supporters, and just starting to brainstorm and hearing what Tigres was doing and 
and in thinking about what the pageantry we could create is. But um, um, there was a song and chant social organized, I think, in in January or February of 2019, where we started, you know, bringing the drums out and really started talking about building a band and what you know what instruments we would need, what you know what songs we would start with. Um, and so it kind of, it basically started then in early 2019 and we've been doing weekly rehearsals for, it's going to be two years this winter, um, before we've even had players signed or, or even, you know, um, even before the grass was laid, you know, there was some of the ideas about the songs and the chants that would, would be in the supporter section. And that's what we've kind of made our, um, obsession (laughs) is planning for, for game day one. Um, Yeah. I, I think also like the team announcement where we, we pulled a few little song and chants and things like that, that it kind of started kind of like a direction to, you know, like uh, I remember Ryan Riggins coming up with that 7-4 chant that it's still, it, it's kind of shifted into something a little bit more more complex, but it's pretty catchy and pretty cool. And just using that direction and, and some of those chants and a lot of those those dollars and things that are simple for people to follow along but um that gained this momentum you can start off like slow but it, it rises and you start singing harder and harder and pushing the team forward which is where we we wanted to start off so people could follow along and as the passion grows we'll get a little more complex and more more lyric lengthy <laughs> Um, so from the time that y'all have been playing, y'all have any particularly memorable appearances? And I mean, we'd love to hear good and exciting ones, but if you've had a really bad one, like I'm, I'm willing to gossip and juiciness. So I would like that too, but I'll leave it up to you. I feel like you're positive guys and you'll probably pick a pick like your best appearance, but go ahead. Yeah, I think we, we both will probably have a a same one or similar ones. We we were, um, able to perform, uh, you know, as the band at the pride parade, in 2019 and then and that kind of gave us our first experience doing parades as a band which I mean some of us had done in college or you know high school marching um but doing it you know in this style I think is a little more loose and fun and it's not like so straight up and down marching um wearing like stiff uniforms it's it's more of like a you know like Rigo said earlier Mardi Gras or Carnival style of, of parade um, and it, and I think it's kind of, um, other than performing at UT, the day of the dead parade, um, that, that Mexicarte hosts every year until this year, um, you know, the, the parade that they, they host was, I think, you know, we had just, we had a really good repertoire. We practiced a Selena song and the, the thing for me that just, you know, we had been spending so much time practicing and, and getting, getting tight as a band and, um, you know understanding how to switch songs and give cues and all that stuff, um, transitions. Um, but then kind of, you see, you look out into the crowd and you see, you know, a largely like Latino Hispanic group that's out there celebrating this holiday and they already know the songs, like, you know, they already know these rhythms. Um, and you know, they are excited about, you know, people handing out an Austin FC sticker or things like that. And that's what really provide a lot of validation that we were, um, really, you know, onto something that resonates with, with, uh, you know, Hispanic, Hispanic folks in Austin, but, but, you know, not just that, like we turned a corner and there's Mayor Adler <laughs> and he starts, you know, dancing along <laughs> to what we're doing. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, if we're her- here at these events, um, we're bringing a good time, we're bringing, po- bringing positivity. Um, it's like city pride. 
um, and respects the culture, um, we're, we're, we're onto something very powerful. Um, and so that was, and, and then I think kind of like that whole parade march, like I think it culminated like going underneath the frost tower in that garage area. And we were just so damn loud. And then the Samba school was there, like they came in behind us and I was like, wow, this is, it's, we're going to be noisy. So that was, that was kind of the, the, the best moment for me. And I was really looking forward to the parade this year. Um, but understandably, like they had to scale things back for, for COVID. Are there any others that you would want to mention or that stick out in your mind, Rigo? Um, I wanted to add a, a little bit to what Mateo was saying, just because that that event was just so cool to to be a part of and and start collaborating with like Mexicarte and these places that we never knew. Like you just start this thing and it just starts taking off, and it's like wow, now we're we're working working with a really cool uh, Mexicarte museum, and a, they have really awesome projects. Um, so just like he said, like turning at every corner and seeing like the excitement of the people and it's like, wow, like we're, we're actually doing the, I like our mission, you know, like creating these songs and people are, are starting to follow along. And uh, uh, I, I really love the, um, the way we made this event because it went from creating banners to going and buying different Day of the Dead masks and green and black things that we could coordinate. Um, to create like this, this day of the, of the day theme, you know, so it's, it's something that we're going to be doing in the stands too. So it was, it was really nice to actually have that practice of like bringing out people to create this themed uh, big banner that was like 20, 20 feet wide that Jeremiah got to be in the front of, of holding. And like, even you Landon, you got to, to play and perform and, and see, live all this happening and see it, see it grow. So, just that that practice of actually like the game day experience that we were going to have. And this was like so far away from when our team was going to come. So it was really nice to, for it to be like our first big project. Um, so that, that was kind of, kind of cool to see. And uh, all, all that uh, one that uh, could have been really cool, but uh, it's not a, on a bad note, but uh, we had a, a really a three day performance we were going to do at honk ATX that didn't end up happening, but, we should still have it in the books for for the future. I, I was really looking forward to that because I wanted to bring in that that South American drumbeat culture because you have a lot of like brass bands in that that are really really good, but uh, that excitement of people chanting and and lyrics and easy lyrics that anybody next to you is gonna learn and start chanting and then bring in flags and bring in color and bring bring like our excitement to that the type of parade i i would have loved to see that that input and and what honk would think about it uh, um just, just uh, really looking forward to to seeing that like the, the flag waving and and what we could bring to honk to to add to it you know because they're already a pretty established um uh, event in in town and brings bands from all over uh, the city, the states, and Central America, South America, maybe even Europe. So it, it it'd be cool to to see just how the people would interact and react to to our project. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that really stuck out or made the the Day of the Dead parade really special is that a, a lot of the times when the Morga goes and plays somewhere, it's it's to like a soccer crowd, right? And this was one 
where it wasn't necessarily. And so there might be like at a soccer event, there's going to be kind of this, um, this environment of soccer enthusiasm. And they know that La Murga is tied to Austin FC. And so there's going to be kind of this extra excitement about it automatically. But at the day of the dead parade, most of the people there didn't know who La Murga was and they didn't know what we were doing or why we were doing it, but it didn't, stop them from like singing along or dancing or anything like that. So I, I, for me, that was a really cool part of that, that, um, this isn't just something that people who are already into soccer, like they're not excited about us just because they're so excited about Austin FC. It was like, Oh, these people are doing something really cool. Why are they doing it? And probably got a few people a bit more interested in, in the team and in soccer in Austin because of that. So I, that, that's something that stood out to me because, or from, from that event. Yeah, I would. So, um, this is. Did you guys play? Do you guys have like a musical background, or you guys just have like a soccer background, or like, how did you get involved in in that? And and how did y'all how did y'all get connected? Yeah, so I I actually um, learned how to play violin growing up. Um, so I probably I played. I grew up in a small town, and my mom was really set on me learning how to play violin because her dad played violin my grandfather played. And, uh, so I, I, you know, I did private lessons and, and did the whole thing. And then I got to high school and my high school didn't have a, a orchestra. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I thought, I guess I thought I was too cool for it. So I kind of quit. Um, and I started playing acoustic guitar cause that's what cool kids do in high school. <laughs> and, um, and, but then I, I moved to Austin and I kind of went through a Bob Dylan folk phase picked picked up the violin again um picked up other instruments like the mandolin and yeah i've i've played in a in a bunch of bands bunch of random bands um you know nothing that's like ever been like touring the country or anything like that but playing shows around texas and and um so yeah um i've been gigging as a kind of amateur you know beer money musician kind of um basically that's kind of i find that most happy periods of my life are whenever i'm performing and playing music um, and making friendships through through music, um, and so uh, there's no violins in in Murga, uh, <laughs> but the violin and the trumpet are basically in the same range um, musically, same clef, um, and so I kind of just took it on to learn how to play the trumpet. And it's always kind of been a dream of mine to like play trumpet in a mariachi band, <laughs> and so Murga's closest thing right <laughs> um so yeah that's that's kind of how i i got into like pivoting towards an instrument that works in this context and i'd also done some percussion um when i was a student at ut with the the brazilian music ensemble so i learned a lot of the samba rhythms and and it kind of um gone to a handful of rehearsals with the austin samba school which is a local institution there they're awesome people and awesome musicians there um and yeah, I came to meet, to meet Rigo, who's now one of my best friends through, through this band. Um, and, and that's, that's been, you know, a really awesome thing about this whole experience is, is creating really, really strong friendships and, and, you know, uniting our passion, which is soccer, but, but also about a community project. What about you, Rigo? What's your, what's your musical background? Um, I don't know if I can top Mateo's um, story, right? Um, I actually, I failed at many instruments, so that's <laughs> something, right? 
but it's been it's been cool to it's it's what the, our band represents you know like you don't have to be a professional you don't have to know how to play but you have to have the you have to want to do it and you have to have the passion for coming and practicing and doing it weekly doing it at your house and you just really really wanting it and it's something for our community and to support our team so it, it only is your passion for the team because you're you're doing something that's not just oh i'm just going to the game grabbing a beer and singing some songs you're like doing something every every day of the week or a few days of the week and then coming to this big group of musicians and soccer supporters and talking about music talking about soccer and the culture and how we want to impact and push our team forward but uh, other than that i just some we needed a pseudo player and i just picked it up and started practicing listening to the rhythms it's not a super complex instrument but you can add some some cool feels and some some sauce to it (laughs) so yeah that's i've been playing i guess now for what um probably over over a year and just I have friends that tell me like, oh, who who would have thought you would have been playing with the band now? You know, before it was it's it's been a lot of coordinating, and now it's 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 fun to do it, and then it's it's a cool experience and and helping lead other instrument uh, people that that want to play the surdo and teaching them and and following along. It's it's been interesting. So that's you mentioned that the like the main thing you need to do to be a part of this is just show up right like that's something that in in having played quite a bit with with La Morga and just kind of seeing the people come in and who have established themselves as kind of staples of the group uh i think a good example is Gabby Navarro um who is the president of Los Verdes she's the president of Los Verdes right okay yeah yeah and so she showed up to a Morga practice one day didn't own a drum, has never played a drum, has never played any musical instruments, showed up and just started like trying to trying to figure it out. And she's just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And now she's like one of the staples of the group and is there every event, every everything that happens, every rehearsal, Gabby's there. And so, yeah, I, I, I think from what I've seen, I think probably the main trait you would need is enthusiasm, enthusiasm to join this group, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love you brought up Gabby. Um, I, I, you know, like, I think it was one of our very first like rehearsals when we were trying to like recruit and grow. Um, so maybe like our third time getting together at a park and we just met at a random parking lot where we knew we could be loud, which I think was kind of close to festival, um, festival gardens. Yeah. Festival gardens, um, down by the river. Um, and <laughs> in a down, in a, in a van down by the river. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but anyways, and I was, I met, I rolled up and I was like, Hey, like I'm Mateo. Oh, Gabby. Good to meet you. And I was like, so you're, you're a snare player, you're a drummer. And she's like, Nope, this is the first time I've ever played. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like this is going to be awesome. And, um, you know, it like playing music is, 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 is hard. It takes practice. It takes dedication. Um, but at the same time, like, like banging on a drum is, is so like part of our nature it's so kind of tribal and and it's just like part of our inheritance you know um and i think it's it's all cultures have this right and so um i think gabby's a great great example um of someone who just showed up had fun was positive and 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 
And now she's like, I think we have, you know, she's one of our mainstay snare players and that snare is a super important instrument in the Murga. So, um, you know, you can show up and have a mindset where you just want to learn and absorb from other people. And, um, and then eventually you can be indispensable and, and the band can really count on you. Um, and that's really the opportunity we have, um, being such a large group, we expect people with, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of life or the cycles of, of life for people to have kids and drop out or, you know, their kids to grow up and then to bring kids into the fold, you know, like we want to, want to make it something that's, um, that dynamic and, and, and kind of is owned by a big group of people that, that can all contribute as, as much as they're able. So if, for people who want to get involved in like play, play with La Murga, what, what do they need to do? Like, do they need instruments? How do they, how do they get involved with this kind of thing? To come to play with, with the Murga, like we've, we've grown so much and uh, just there's so many places now that are part of Murga. It's, it's not just about learning an instrument. Like it, it's also about having, um, having like a, a passion for maybe writing a lyric or being a couple and wanting to, to be a leader. Like we're going to need to, to self-police ourselves and help, have these leaders for 3,400 people in the stand. So there's, there's even more roles now, not just like, Oh, well, I don't, I'm not interested in grabbing a drum. Like you can also come and be a, a leader and a capo and a, someone that's practicing the chants and help. That's going to help keep the people in, in line into the lyrics and, and coordinate all that. And uh, aside from that, if you own a, um, a snare drum is usually what most people own, or maybe some people that have played brass before, they'll have a, a trumpet or a trombone. So if you have that, bring it along. Uh, if you don't have anything, come out and see see how what we're about, and, and we'll figure out how to get you an instrument. We, we already have a good inventory of, of drums mostly. So we have repiques and zurdos and extra bombos that we loan out. Um, so main, mainly that, like show up, have a passion, start practicing those instruments and uh, with us and we'll, we'll try to get you an instrument as soon as possible. We have a lot of musicians that have shown up um, and they've been there for a while and now they're like, well, I, I want my, my own drum, you know. So it's kind of cool to see that, to make that shift from like, um, can I borrow an instrument or I'll come to practice and use it there to like, I'm so committed that now I want to pay for an instrument that's going to be my own personalized to what I like and represent me as a musician and, and the team, you know? Yeah. Um, we, we definitely have loners. So if, if you just show up um, and you want to play, especially if we have a heads up, um, we can find something for you to bang on or something for you to blow on. We have a lot of us have bought, <laughs> bought like plastic um, trumpets and trombones that are kind of our spares or like if it's raining or whatever. Um, so we have a lot of those laying around. So um, it's usually like if, if you show up with a mouthpiece and Thanks some drumsticks, we can find something to put in your hands probably. Sunday night. Um, and, and even that's might not even be necessary. Um, yeah, and and I think Rigo kind of touched on this. And if you kind of think about that parade environment that we had for Dia de los Muertos last year, um, you know, there was it's really like all the glory goes to the the musicians, right? But uh, it's really valuable to have your foot soldiers, the people that are carrying the banners, right? The people that are waving flags, the people that are, 
you know, I don't know if you've held held a two pole over your head for for more than ten minutes, but it takes a toll on your on your on your biceps. At least it does mine. Um, and so, you know, we need those people that are that are willing to um, suffer a little bit, like you know, be a part of be a part of the band, be a part of the pageantry, understand the sacrifice. And so, it's it's really easy for us to find pe- ways for people that are new to jump in. Whether it's just like here's a song sheet, learn memorize the songs, right? Um, and that can progress, like like Rigo said, into helping us write lyrics or, or modify, you know, popular songs into something we can adopt into the stadium environment. But if, if any of that is interesting, um, hopefully you are already have supporters um, section membership for Austin FC, or I know there will also be some supporters section tickets available, um, like as single tickets, but um, that's like one thing to do is get yourself in a position to be in the supporter section, um, if at all possible, next spring. Um, but also reach out to us. You know, we have the social media set up. Uh, it's basically La Murga ATX, M-U-R-G-A. Um, and we also have a website that should be ready by the time this podcast goes live at lamurgadeaustin.org. All right. Yeah. And w- one other point I wanted to to just kind of reiterate from what you said is like you if you're just excited about this kind of stuff, you don't have to play an instrument. You don't have to write lyrics. If you just come and sing along, that's a valuable part of the group, right? Like just having more voices as, as part of the chorus is, is extremely valuable. So, yeah. And, uh, I think Rigo, this is, I'm probably stealing your catchphrase here, but I've heard you say this several times. Um, the idea that the voice is the most powerful instrument in the, in the Murga, which is kind of interesting because, you know, we, when we think of the Murga, we think of the band, but it kind of humbles ourselves to think that like the reason we do all of this is to, you know, empower and uh, make possible for thousands of people to coordinate and sing with one voice. Um, and so really we need people to start learning the songs, start having ideas and feedback um, about the songs that we're putting out there. Um, we've released four YouTube videos that are kind of our tried and true, like we call it our parade set. Um, of songs and and we've been working on this fall recording uh, four to five more um, tunes that we're excited to release hopefully by the end of this year Um, so our goal is just to like throw stuff out there go out to you know UT soccer games um, and other you know we've talked about pairing up with some of the local academies or even the Austin FC Academy and starting to play in more public places as um, you know safety precautions allow right um, but, but yeah, we just, we want people to be excited about these songs. We want people to, to, to like put it on, on their way to the stadium. Um, you know, I imagine people like putting a CD or a cassette in their car, but we don't have that anymore. So, um, it'll be on like <laughs> on, on Spotify and YouTube eventually, right. Uh, where you can just have a, a playlist where you're learning the songs. And, you know, I've had the experience and just traveling to other MLS stadiums where I'll be there like next to the supporter section and I'll hear a tune and it'll just stick with me for a week. And I'm like, what is that song? I need to learn the lyrics. I could kind of make it out. But I think a lot of people are going to have that experience when they come to an Austin FC game where they just like something just gets stuck in their head. And then th- their kid is going to be singing it and annoying them like the whole <laughs> next week. We've already had people like complain to us about how their kids <laughs> just say dolly, dolly, dolly. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's part of it. And and I think kids are if 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 we're doing stuff that's accessible to kids and the kid gets stuck in kid's head, that, that means like a drunk adult has no excuse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, 
we'd like to encourage our listeners to find La Morgue de Austin on social media and then also on YouTube. You can start learning some of those songs for, for 2021. But yeah, if you're interested, I would encourage you guys to go to go and uh, join in on the fun and on the music because it's going to be, like Mateo said, El Latido de Austin, the heartbeat of, of Austin FC is, is what this group is going to be. So uh, it's it, it's going to be really exciting to see what you guys are doing in the stadium come 2021. So thanks so much for joining us and sharing the story, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, we'd like to thank Rigo and Mateo for joining us and talking a little bit more about what the band has in store for 2021 and beyond. Um, we again want to remind you that Austin Soccer Foundation is hosting a foot golf tournament on November 8th. Uh, it's open to supporters groups and soccer fans and foot golf players of all types. They've got a really cool looking armadillo trophy they're going to give away to the winning team. You can check out austinsoccerfoundation.org for more information on that. Uh, we also had a really cool project that we learned about this weekend. Um, the club put in the second soccer mini pitch um, in Austin, so it was a joint project with Soccer Assist, 4ACX Foundation, and St. David's Healthcare. Uh, it's in the Woolridge Park area, which is in north-central Austin. It's actually just a few miles away from the stadium at McCalla. So it's the second one they put in. The first was in southeast Austin. So they've done a good job of covering two parts of the city. And basically what these are is they take old tennis courts and areas that they're not being used anymore and convert, convert them into these really cool-looking soccer pitches. A lot of verde, a lot of black. Uh, it's really it's really cool. And it's a, it's a good community asset to have and another commitment that the club is showing to to building the, the game all around the city. We want to remind you one last time before Election Day to go vote. Uh, early voting in Texas lasts through October 30th. You can check out votetexas.gov for a link to your county clerk's website and early voting locations. And if you're in Austin, check out austinsoccervotes.org for information from Los Verdes and Austin Anthem on Propositions A and B, which are the mobility bonds that are on the ballot uh, this election cycle. Uh, we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit CapitalCitySoccer.com, where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. Recently, Troy published articles on both the seat and pitch installation at, at McCalla Place, so go check that out. We will be back soon with more Austin FC and MLS news and maybe an interview. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. Nobody is around.